Hello, people, and welcome to the Shabari Study Podcast. I'm your host, Wicked Ren. Shabari Study is an online learning resource offering video tutorials for beginners through advanced practitioners. Whether you're brand new to the world of Shabari and needing to learn the basics, or a seasoned rigger or rope bottom seeking inspiration to push your practice to new places, there's something for you at shabaristudy.com. Today, I have on Mistress Hera. Hera's pronouns are she, her. She's a dom in Pittsburgh, vegan, a bunch of awesome things. Hello, Wicked Ren. I'm really excited to be on this podcast today. <laughs> I'm happy to have you. You're a really fascinating person. I'm excited to talk to you. Shucks. Thank you so much. Um, it's really exciting to get recognized for anything in this industry, <laughs> frankly. That's positive. And I'm... Yes. Also, the use of shucks. Really, really <laughs> like that. You know, I don't know how to respond to a lot of people. And shucks is really an all-encompassing response. It really, it kind of says everything in one word, doesn't it? <laughs> Indeed. So before we started recording, you were telling me that you're from Miami, and then you unleashed some of the most fascinating facts about yourself. <laughs> um, yes, I'm from Miami. i actually Fort Lauderdale. Um, I was born and raised in South Florida area generally, which is a pretty kinky place. Um, I think the humidity in Florida really, I don't know, makes people a little weird. Yeah, it's kind of a joke at this point, but Florida is kind of a goofy place. I went to college in Florida. I really oh, liked wow. my time there. You were telling me that your mom was in the kink scene in Florida. That's correct. So because it's been around um, for decades my mom, a dominant woman, was a uh, part of the kink scene for uh, a long time. <laughs> I don't know exactly how long. I mean, that's pretty awesome. I don't know anyone that has that story that their parents were in the kink scene and really cool and like let them know that, let their kids know that. Right. Um, yeah, I'm like a second generation kinkster. Maybe even more because um, my grandmother did tell me that her grandmother was also a sex worker, so I think it runs in my blood. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up, did your parents talk about sex and things like that? Yes. My mom was very sex positive, which I'm so fortunate that she was, even though at the time I was really embarrassed. She would talk about periods in front of my friends because she was worried that they didn't get those talks, and they, they might not have because sex education in the public schools in Florida is pretty much non-existent. Yeah. It's just really cool and heartwarming to hear that. It's just not people's upbringings. I didn't have that. And I, I really wish I would have. Right. Um, I have like little snippets of it here and there, but mm. um, a lot of people haven't. And then the sex ed that some, that a lot of people did get is, it just scratches the surface and yeah. it's drowned in like religion a lot of the time and yeah, and misogyny and just corrupt. Right. Yeah. yeah. So was your mom, is your mom like a dom? Do you know any of this? Um, <laughs> you said she's a dominant woman. I'm just curious. She, I don't know her, how she identifies herself in the kink realm, but she's definitely a dominant woman. Um, <laughs> She just takes charge. She 
taught me growing up that, you know, not to rely or depend on a man because you can't. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I've always been really independent. I'm a firstborn child also. So I think that might have contributed to my. Yeah, that really you know, does it. The way I carved the path. You were also saying that you were Tumblr famous. Oh, dear. Like, that term makes me cringe a little bit. I understand. Day, but but <laughs> I think it... So, Tumblr comes up on the Shabari Study podcast, like, every other episode. Because most people's intro to Shabari is through Tumblr. <laughs> right? And I think that perhaps might have been even, like, part of my intro to Kink as well. Because it was, you know, porn's banned there now, I think. Or maybe it's yeah. unbanned. Who knows? But... Um, yeah, that was uh, an interesting intro I had to porn because I was a teenager on Tumblr and then I grew up, grew into an adult on Tumblr. Yeah, that's a pretty hard place to grow up. <laughs> oh, it was so hard. Um, yeah, it was some weird things happened, but I'm glad that ultimately... I left that platform and that my Instagram that had, you know, so many followers got deleted because I am not, I don't know if that life is meant for me. Yeah, it is a really hard <laughs> thing with Instagram because you grow all this stuff and you post pictures and you're trying to treat it like Tumblr and it just doesn't function that way, especially for sex workers. Um, I think it's in some cases a kind of, deletes a lot of history of people especially trans people because a lot of that oh. is like how they're documenting journeys and stuff absolutely like uh any like lgbt or high-risk community poc you know uh how targeted sex workers are in general but you know being intersectional about it you know black workers trans sex workers get targeted so much more than I do and they're at so much more at risk than I am Ooh, yes I'm sorry this is emotional <laughs> yeah so I feel like I need to use my privilege a lot to, oh my god I'm getting choked up I'm sorry I need to use my privilege to help okay. them so it's it's scary out here and we're the only ones that will protect each other because the government won't and the police won't it's a pretty amazing community in that because it has to be about keeping each other safe. And I think a lot of, like, baby sex workers are able to understand the risks because they hear about, you know, you can make a lot of money and yeah. fast fast cash, but, you know, high risks, high reward. Um, yeah. Well, we should talk about safety a little bit. Totally. What are some things that maybe you implement now Right. So I have my clients when they come into the dungeon, I have them write their name on a piece of paper. And, you know, that is just in case, like, if something really bad were to happen, like their fingerprints are in the dungeon. Yeah. Um, I do take a lot of safety precautions vetting my clients. That is the most important process and probably the most difficult thing to explain. Yeah. I, I hate to ask this because you just said it's difficult to explain, <laughs> but vetting is, is really hard. And this comes up a lot on this podcast because everyone mm -hmm. exists as usernames. And like you were saying earlier, we get deleted 
and also cancellations are a big thing. But Mm -hmm. those don't really work because people just make new profiles, they move, and we can't keep up with everything going on. Could you talk maybe for about one technique of vetting? Okay. Um, I think you can learn a lot about simply the way someone fills out an application. The words they use to try and express their desires and the words they use how they treat me in the email. There's definitely certain red flags to look out for and language to look out for. Yeah. Yeah, like treating you as a dispenser of kink instead of a human (laughs) being or something. Right. And there definitely are um, like submissive fetishes who think being submissive is hot. So they want to do it, but they're not, they're more like switches. (laughs) Do you feel working with someone that is a switch in that way is a little bit, I don't want to say harder, but maybe more that you have to feel out? Um, yes. So actually a lot of pro doms won't take clients that are switches, but I do. But uh, I do because I really enjoy a challenge. I love someone to be difficult and I love disciplining them for being difficult. I think there's a difference between being difficult and being disrespectful. You were talking about power dynamics and the imbalance of what happens inside of your dungeon and what happens in the world. And I would be so fascinated to hear you talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think I uh, saw the Barbie movie this weekend and I was like, wow, it's you know, it's... the Barbie land is kind of like the dungeon where women are in charge. <laughs> That's amazing. Out, the outside world is, you know, misogynistic men, Ken world. Yes. <laughs> God, that is so amazing. Yeah, so I get to welcome everyone to Barbie land. And Barbie land yeah. is a safe sanctuary where I can keep their secrets and they can express themselves safely because practicing kink alone can be dangerous. That's such a fascinating thing to think about. Has being a pro dom changed the way that you interact with the world at like the bank or the grocery store and things like that? Um, No, I I work really hard to try to stay humble um, and not be an asshole. There's a thing in our community called dom-itis and it's basically pro-doms that are stuck in pro-dom mode 24-7. <laughs> yeah. Like, they aren't... <sighs> Insufferable to me. <laughs> right. They're they're not... They're difficult. Um, they are just... They've been, Maybe they've been doing it so long that they don't realize, but I feel like in this industry or this line of sex work... Because you're worshipped constantly and all the time, you have to keep yourself in check yeah. in, in reality. Um, and like, because it can, it, I don't know, you can get lost, I think. You seem to be very real on social media. And your persona is like you, it feels like. Which is very cool because mm-hmm. a lot of times doms do pick a persona and we all do that in life if you're a dom or you're a construction worker everyone picks a persona they want to put on that day but 
did you feel like when you were getting into pro dom work that you had to like pick some certain thing and be it? And was there some kind of arc where you started just kind of being more chill in yourself? Um, no, I, I never felt that way, but I've always been weird. Um, and excited to explore. And when I became a, when I started pro dom work, I had already been doing sex work, um, because of Tumblr, uh, you know, I started posting like nudes online and then I started, I got like a sugar daddy and then I started doing escort work and then I realized that really wasn't for me. So I started doing pro dom work. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about the negotiation that you have with clients? Because I'm sure it's very refined after doing it for a while and like learning and stuff. Yes, yes. I have a a packet (laughs) at the beginning of a session because it's important that I know a lot of things about the client. I need to know their history of kink and like their personal life. I need to know if this is their first session with a pro dom and um, I need to know their levels of interest in bondage, levels of interest in pain, if any, Mm -hmm. um, levels of interest in verbal humiliation because not everyone wants to be degraded. Some people want to feel good (laughs) or a relief. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Right. (laughs) Right. So that's a thing I I have to ask about health concerns. um, If people are taking Viagra or Cialis, um, if they have high blood pressure, there's a lot of aspects that I need to be aware of to like properly design a session for someone because it's kind of like a collaboration. Absolutely. (laughs) I I think that that's something that a lot of people don't realize that it is a collaboration. Yes. Yeah. Um, I I tell my subs, I'm like, oh, it's kind of like an art piece. You know, we're making an art piece together and it might not go the way you plan, but it'll be, it'll be magical. Yeah. What are some things that make good collaborators? Someone that's a good listener, um, someone that's good at asking questions, curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like someone that's open to experiencing a lot of different things. Yeah, I also really love an enthusiastic sub because part of consent that's really important to me is enthusiastic consent. And so when I have a sub, you know, I want to know they're having a good time. So I tell each of my clients, and this is one of the last things I tell them, I'm like, you know, um, if you could give me a a smile or a grin or a moan or a twitch, a squirm, anything to let me know that you're having a good time and the the consent is still enthusiastic and there, like that is what I like, and that's what I like in a session and, you know, enjoy the reactions of people. You said the last thing you tell them. And did you mean the last thing you tell them in your negotiation? Oh, yes. Do you feel like it's important to leave them with the most important thing? Do you put that at the end for a reason? Not not really. I, you know, just get get to every point and be as thorough as I can, because the more I know about someone, the better I can 
Yeah. You know, better I can, you know, experiment with them and know what to pick and choose based on what they think they're interested in or know they're interested in. That makes sense. I feel like reading people is a big part of your job. And Mm -hmm. yes doesn't always mean yes. It can mean a million different kinds of yes. Whereas no generally means no. No feels very finite. Whereas yes can be a maybe. There's a million different kinds of yeses. Right, yeah. Do you find that sometimes people might say yes to something and you're still a little bit hesitant on why they might be saying yes? Do they feel pressure to say yes, that kind of thing? I can usually tell um, based on the way someone uh, is talking to me. Uh, And usually people are very nervous, so nervous they can be visibly shaking upon arrival. So a big part of this is de-escalation and, you know, calming these people down because they're very nervous. And when you're nervous, um, it affects, you know, your body and muscles and it's going to affect the experience. Yeah. (laughs) And decision making, certainly. Can you tell me about some of the de-escalation stuff you do? So when um, a sub walks in, um, I give them a hug. I'm like, how, like, you know, how are you feeling? You're probably, they're probably, you know, they're nervous. (laughs) I'm like, I give them a hug. I tell them we're going to make magic. Um, It's going to be a a funny kind of magic. You know, (laughs) there's sometimes bloopers you know they always edit the bloopers out of out of porn but yeah the bdsm bloopers are some of the best parts yes yes do you feel like when people come in and they don't know about you're referencing like the bloopers of a real life bdsm scene do those things kind of catch them off guard or do they like it and kind of laugh and stuff um I think it really just depends on the person. Um, I think a lot of people, um, some subs get so embarrassed when their body doesn't react the way that they think it's going to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those instances are so entertaining and amusing for me. I'm like, I love reactions and noises yeah. and fluids. Like, the weirder, the better. And yeah. I try to tell people, you know, I've been doing this sex work for 10 years so um I've, I've seen a lot of weird things and yeah usually there's not much that surprises me anymore but still I am yet I am always surprised all the time yes <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's like the fun part of the job oh my god and it is so much fun um I feel really fortunate to have something I feel so passionate about and that I love to do yeah your dom style, if you will. What kind of mm-hmm. stuff do you really like as a dominant? Ooh, okay. Um, I like examining my specimens, you know, just kind of giving them a, 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 a like a, a, like you're checking them out, but yeah. like Physically, (laughs) I want to, you know, kind of like objectify them um, and make them feel submissive. So I start off um, slow and, you know, I'd ease into it. Um, Yeah. What else I like to do as a dominant? I like medfet play. I love bondage. I love 
Oh my God, let's get started. I love electric play, pegging, <laughs> any, yeah, I mean, really, um, role play. I love acting. Like, the weirder the role play, the better, too. I did the ab- most absolutely unhinged role play last year. Well, um, you know, I have to ask what you did. Oh my God, if I can even like explain this correctly. So, <sighs> the sub wanted me to be like a schoolgirl at first. So kind of like submissive. And I was like, okay, this is different. And he was like, but wait, you turn into a Catwoman vigilante superhero that has karate, like secret karate chopping powers, right? (laughs) And (laughs) wait, he, the man, the sub is playing a frat boy henchman type and that is the exact term he described himself as wow wow and he is he is venging um someone because my boyfriend beat up his person and he's like venging them he's like trying to Mm -hmm. have a battle scene with me basically wow so that's kind of his persona and then that's mine and so with my karate chopping powers now yeah i would use i would use them to hit him only only in the balls between his crotch of course he only wanted to be hit in the crotch of course of course of course yeah so the most (laughs) go on sorry and the the most fun part of our about this was how how into it he was um so like when i would karate chop him in the balls he would like fly across the room. He'd be so dramatic about it. And so that made me get into it more. That's amazing. <laughs> so we were like chasing each other around the, dun- the dungeon with the uh, like karate chopping and some wrestling moves a little bit. Had you but, uh, s- go on? Sorry. Essentially, he was getting dominated by a Catwoman vigilante. With karate chopping powers. Holy shit! Had you but seen? But I, 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 ha- I had the transformation though. Remember, because I was a schoolgirl at first, and that is a very important detail. It is actually super important to get that in there. This is um, <laughs> yes, yes. It's important for the cat woman arc that you know she went through. Um, <laughs> um, I yeah, that was that was just so that really was blew my mind. It was amazing. Did you see this person before, or was this the first no. time? This no, no, and that time. was that was actually the one and only time I saw that person. <laughs> it's so funny because, like, I had a session where this guy wanted me to role play the Jim Carrey movie The Mask, and the concept. Wow, the concept was Incredible. that uh, the mask would get put on my face, and I could do anything. I could grow dildos with my <gasps> hands. I could, <gasps> uh, like, so each finger would be a dildo, and they could, like, fly in and out of his ears, and in his mouth. <gasps> it was... Wow. It was that cool. so exciting. It was really fun. But when we started talking about it, I was like, you're fucking with me. And I was like, there's no way in fuck I'm going to do this, because I don't think you're serious about it. But he was mm-hmm. wildly serious about it, and it made it so fun, and it's the most <laughs> mm-hmm. fun role play I've ever done in my life. And I think about it all the time. Oh, my gosh. I love to hear that. And that is a great movie. So I'm glad it was a good reference. Yes. Because, like, 
be weird and like say what you want and advocate for the things you want and it's going to get you such a better experience oh oh my gosh you know wow yeah yeah no totally i i love um you know finding community and talking to like-minded people and i think this job just has the brings in the most interesting people i've ever met what do you think the most rewarding parts of being a dominatrix are oh my god there's so many rewarding parts um being a secret keeper just being told things that people have never said out loud before um it's really special i feel so like privileged to you know have this share this moment with these people um, and help them, you know, liberate themselves from the shame that these kinks have probably given them because Mm -hmm. I live in a relatively conservative state and, you know, um, a lot of people haven't experienced anything kink related before. Yeah. That's a really interesting thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably the first time that they're, being able to say, like, hey, I like to get beaten up or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's really special. Um, I mean, I my my subs are so happy after the session. I It's very easy for me to just see how, how rewarding it is usually. And then they're, you know, good subs are so grateful and so thankful. And mm-hmm. I have uh, one of my regulars tells me, like, every day. I like to think we all are making a difference and, uh, you know, being the difference we want to see but you know just doing that is a big deal yeah so you use rope in your sessions and earlier you were saying that you use it in a kind of inclusive way if that makes sense right so rope is a great form of bondage and when it comes to bondage and sex toys sex toys especially from retail stores aren't the most inclusive um There's not many sizes, so rope can fit anyone. Um, Yeah, yeah, it can be used for tying anyone to anything of any size. Um, It it can be very versatile, and not every tool can be versatile. The way you're using rope, it's really cool to hear because it's kind of the opposite conversation that happens within the Wow, that's wild. Yeah, yeah, I'm always... pretty constantly disappointed in every sex toy that is out there. I mean, sex toys, like, you really get what you pay for, right? So you have to spend money, and you don't have to. I mean, rope is cheaper, and it's more accessible, and I think that's really important for kink. I think I I love uh, Home Depot kink. Uh, (laughs) Any, uh, you know, buying... You can get plenty of BDSM supplies way cheaper at Home Depot because they don't add whatever woman taxes that they do at sex stores. Yes. Well, I think it's fun that this podcast started with Tumblr and then is ending with Home Depot kink because let's be honest, they're kind of cousins. Mm-hmm. You know? They are. They go hand in hand. They they know each other and they go out to lunch. Yes, they do go out to lunch. Um, <laughs> the you know, same kind of person. We never forget our roots here. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, they. I think they made me really tough. Like, no one could tell like anything anyone said i just had to not let it affect me (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) i feel like that's a good thing and then you became a dom and now no one can say anything to you (laughs) 
Um, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Yeah, so I have a website called Hera's Dungeon. Um, it's my name, Hera, H-E-R-A's Dungeon, D-U-N-G-O-N, dot com. Um, I have an OnlyFans. My OnlyFans username is Human Performances. And my Twitter, like, that came from my first Instagram. I'm on my fifth. Yeah, so that was my first Instagram's username, and it was from a a, a song. What song? It's it's a it's a song by Jism, which is kind of a niche <laughs> type of music. All the Jism fans out there are really um really loving that reference. <laughs> oh. Um. <laughs> and then you said your Twitter before I cut you off with my. Yeah, my Twitter is pgh um, dominatrix. Amazing. Well, thank you yes. so much for being on. This is really insightful. I learned a oh. lot. You're a fascinating human being. Likewise, and I'm happy to talk to someone like-minded that makes me feel really comfortable and asks relevant and insightful questions rather than rude ones. Oh my God, thank you so much. This is really <laughs> helping my praise kink. This is why I do this oh podcast. Oh my God, go off. <laughs> I, mean, like, I love praise kink. Like, ooh, Validation, reformation, yeah. yes. Send me the invoice. I feel like I need to pay you for that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>